Is expansion coming to the Bay Area? I know the person I want to ask about it. Alex Simon joins us, and Lockdown Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there, and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you, you can follow us every day by subscribing. It is, do the math on it, free. It's free, which is a very good price. So you should subscribe wherever you get your podcast to Lockdown Women's Basketball. We're grateful for you making us your first listen. Make sure you're following all the work we are doing over at the next, thenexthoops.com. We cover women's basketball 24-7, 365. Although, coming in 2024, we will cover it 24-7, 366. So be on the lookout for that, obviously, when the leap year gets here. And I am joined as a real honor from Bay Area News Group. I think we've seen him other places. Alex Simon. Alex when you think about the leap year to come, that extra work, I mean, how critical will that be for us to make sure we get to everything when it comes to women's basketball? I mean, that one extra day, I don't know how we account for it, but there might be one extra day, two extra teams come it's 2020. very possible. And so we're going to get to that. We're going to get to the Golden State. I don't know. What are we calling them? Do we know even what the WNBA team would be called if Golden State is the uh, ownership group that the WNBA goes with? Uh, we absolutely don't. And part of the issue as to why we don't is we actually don't know which ownership group is going to get the team. So we got to get into this. Alex has been doing incredible reporting on this, making it clear that, okay, we know a few things. The WNBA is interested in an expansion. The Bay Area has... For years, I mean, as long as we've known each other, the Bay Area has been this like logical place for the WNBA to expand to. But your reporting over with Bay Area News Group seems to indicate that we are closer than ever. Is that an accurate thing to say? Yeah. And kind of that reporting is talking both with the ownership groups that are there that feel like they have belief, reason to believe that it's there. But it's also talking with people around the WNBA over mm -hmm. the years. Actually, when I used to work for you at the next, I would talk with people and pretty much everybody would say, the Bay, why are we not in the Bay Area? Why are we not in that market? There's so many people in the league that feel like it, the league isn't whole without necessarily being there mm -hmm. because of the fact that it is such a massive media market that has such a massive basketball fan base. And look, you have people who undoubtedly with the current NBA team in town would support women's basketball on the team themselves for as much as some players you know, in some markets aren't as tied to that organization. It's undoubtedly true that Stephen Curry, as the reigning now finals MVP, a two-time MVP, a global superstar, is a massive women's basketball fan. And it kind of almost feels like a missed opportunity to not have games in the market that he's living in for him to go show support and just continue to push things forward. So do we call them the Golden State Rileys? Is that a way that we could uh, honor... Uh, Steph Curry. I don't know. I just, I, yeah, all of that, right? But it just seems like there's so many bigger reasons for this to happen beyond even just Curry himself. Although I, I know maybe I am uh, not given proper 
respect to the fact that Steph Curry, who's some, you know, somebody I think the world of, somebody I've covered dating back to his Davidson days, is an advocate for this. And maybe maybe that drives it. Is that is that the idea essentially? Well, and not just that though. I mean, he literally had a st- Cameron Brink on his dra- championship rep parade bus on Monday. So uh, I, and I mean, hey, that would be a heck of a player for a Bay Area team to get to kind of add to ah, it if they get no to that point. point of expansion come twenty twenty four. But look, I I don't think it is the sole reason. There are so many other reasons we can get into, but it certainly is only adding to the missed opportunity right now when the one of the two ownership groups in the Golden State Warriors in the Bay Area that's interested in a WNBA team just won an NBA championship and has a massive fan presence. Fans are absolutely nuts for basketball in San Francisco and the entire Bay Area right now. It feels like if you had a WNBA team right now, they could easily be capitalizing off yeah. of this and turning it into something really special. And that's kind of, again, the, the long arc of the league. This has been a constant missed opportunity to not be in that market. I, I, I'm going to read this quote from Golden State President and Chief Operating Officer Brandon Schneider because it, like, it didn't give me an aneurysm because here I am, I'm here alive, but I thought it would as I read it. For us, nothing's really changed. We are very interested in a W team. The time's got to be right on a whole number of fronts. It's something we've got to do for a while. Well, like you just said, the time is extremely right, has been for some time. And my God, if you'd dotted your I's and crossed your T's, this is the time they could have taken advantage of. And in the same way, you know, we're just seeing all these documentaries about how USA basketball's win in the 96 Olympics was the proper ramp up for the WNBA a year later. This feels like a missed opportunity at some point, you know, presumably Golden State is not finishing winning championships, but you never know about that. But how perfect would this have been as a lead in, as a way to uh, to have events work together? Did we miss an opportunity here for the Bay Area? Uh, I, I think it would have been great for the league from the Warriors perspective. Well, one, they have tried. They actually were. Joe Lakeup, the current owner of the Warriors, who, by the way, used to own the San Jose Lasers in the American Basketball League, the one that was founded right before the W got started. This Um, is not new. None of this stuff is new. Women's basketball is not new. Just this this mysterious men's sports, they invest the damn money, and it happens, and it happens quickly. And, you know, every the stars have to be aligned and everything has to be just just invest the damn money. Just move forward on it. I, I it's very aggravating. I've heard talk around the league of, well, if the Golden State Warriors had wanted a team, they would have had a team a long time ago because it's not like the WNBA would have refused Warriors ownership money. Right. I I think that's fair. Um, from the Warriors perspective, they look at it and say, we tried to get the Sparks here in 2014 when they were up for sale, but the league didn't want to not have a team in Los Angeles, which probably is a smart point as well. Mm-hmm. And then about the time that the San Antonio Stars were available, the Warriors were starting to get deep into building the Chase Center in downtown San Francisco, which to their credit, and it is a very stark contrast from the other teams in the San Francisco Bay Area that have been trying to get stadiums built, they completely financed privately. And that is a pretty hefty lift, and that is took a lot of political willpower 
and decades really of getting set to do. They finally finished that building. It opens in 2019. The pandemic basically means no fans can show up for an entire year after that. So the way they look at it, they're finally done with their first full season in this arena. Things went better than they could possibly envision. I mean, there's reports out from various local media members that the Warriors basically get revenue of greater than $20 million a game, potentially, mm-hmm. with each and every playoff game that they host. But, so they're at this point, they're good. They've had a championship run. They've hosted three playoff games per round here. They're probably at the point where if the timing is right for their side, it happens to be really convenient. The timing does seem right from the WNBA side as well. It does. It does. And so all those points are obviously well taken. I, I just, there's just a level of aggravation there about the fact that timing would have been right any number of times prior to this. You can walk and chew gum at the same time if there's an understanding of the value proposition involved. By the way, it's going to end up costing them a hell of a lot more than it would have if they had done it five, ten years ago. Unquestionably, actually. But I think they're also, the way they view it, they're going to be in a building that they completely own, operate. And so when you work with a city like in Oakland, when you have an arena there, I think their, their perspective would be that it helps solidify this San Francisco home with everything that they could possibly want there. And, you know, I did find it interesting that at the NBA finals, Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner was asked about this and kind of was speaking about a team there with looking to the ownership group of the warriors as the example and the model. We can get into this in the here, but they're not the only group that's interested in the Bay area, which adds some interesting complications here. No. And I want to talk about that in the next segment because they are not, the only game in town. WNBA is going to face some interesting questions ahead. But first, I want to tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. When I say all, I am delighted to tell you not just men's sports, women's sports there as well. You see equality in betting opportunities. It matters in the way that we think about women's sports as integral to the sports landscape. So you find all your latest sports developments, Major League Baseball, yes, NHL playoffs, yes, but also WNBA odds. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and actions. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, I'm from New Jersey, so uh, maybe this... Uh, is foreign to me, but Oakland, San Francisco, basically the same thing, right? There's no real difference between the two. Uh, well, you say you're from New Jersey, right? So uh, do you do you view Harrison, New Jersey as the same as Manhattan, New York? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, there's been no discussion about that as it relates to the Red Bulls and NYCFC. So no, that's an excellent point. There's another ownership group, which did, obviously. I, I, I have some basic knowledge of the Pacific time zone. And This group, as near as I can tell in Oakland, has virtually everything you're looking for, whether it comes to a place to play, when it comes to a dedicated ownership group, when it comes to the support of the city. Take me through the Oakland competitor for a Bay Area WNBA team. Yeah, African-American Sport and Entertainment Group. They they go by, we can shorten it to AASEG there. They've been based in Oakland. It's a group of a black, entirely Black-led group that is focusing with Black women leading the charge for a WNBA team. This is a group that has kind of big aspirations to be 
a black ownership group in a variety of sports. They want to push for an NFL team to come mm-hmm. back to Oakland and bring a team back there that would have an entirely black ownership led group. But the WNBA team, I think they recognize smartly, by the way, that both it is easier to get maybe a new WNBA team. And also there, there is some undoubtedly political capital to win by pushing for this. Oakland has lost the Raiders to Las Vegas. I don't think it's a secret to announce the Warriors moved across the Bay, which for some people means they stay in the same place. Oakland would tell you we lost the Warriors to our competitor because it is a bridge away. And so much of the Bay Area is oriented in kind of a San Francisco is the center and everything else is below it that they Mm -hmm. they feel they lost the team there. They lost the tax revenue, obviously, that can come from that. They lost a lot of just the political capital of people staying in and around Oakland. Plenty of teams would stay in San Francisco, but you would have fans and whatnot staying in Oakland. People would be coming through Oakland. So for the city of Oakland, you lost it. And obviously there's a very interesting negotiation dynamic happening with the Major League Baseball team in town, the A's, who charitably do not seem to love their current arrangement and are looking for a way out of it, whether it's with a new downtown stadium in Oakland or in other markets like Las Vegas. It didn't seem to be doing very well with the Oakland Athletics. That that's that's not that's not when you're up close the way you view it. Uh, I would suggest that that is not the case, to put it mildly. But that but that's where I think AASCG has been wise to realize there is some political capital to gain by going after a WNBA team, and they have people oh, yeah. inside the city of Oakland, including the vice mayor. Rebecca yeah. Kaplan, who are really working hard with them to try to make them an attractive option. And look, their led their ownership push for a WNBA team is currently being headed by former WNBA star Elena Beard. They've really done a lot of the work and been working with the WNBA for a while now, actually, trying yeah. to make sure that they have all of their ducks in a row, that the moment that they get to a point here where they've finished their negotiation, that they did get an exclusive negotiating agreement with the city of Oakland to be one of the owners of that complex, which is half owned by the city of Oakland and half owned by Alameda. Mm-hmm. Alameda's already sold their half to the A's. There's a little bit of controversy around that. There was an investigation that I think might still be ongoing into that sale, but Oakland's half was put up for sale and this group, AASCG won the rights to negotiate for it. And so if that finalizes, we're probably going to hear an announcement from them sometime once that agreement's there that hey we're done with this we're, we're turning our attention to making this WNBA push happen you know part of this for me of course is I, i've been very impressed in the time i've spoken with rebecca kaplan uh she clearly knows what she's doing on this front and is interested in getting the details right this isn't you know you see a lot of these wnba expansion conversations surround just like some person tweeting and then it's like, well, that that's not actually anything legitimate. If Elena Beard gets behind something, you know it is legitimate. You know there is something to it. So this is this is a serious group of people. I do wonder, and and maybe this is pie in the sky when you're looking at a lead with 12 teams now. Is it at all possible that we could have the rivalry to end all rivalries with both of these ownership groups getting a team? And do you think it is a legitimate possibility that we could see it happen. And I, and I use as a comparison and major league soccer is not nearly used enough as a comparison to the WNBA in my view. But I remember Don Garber, the commissioner of major league soccer 
pushing hard, not just for the Red Bulls to get their new stadium. And Red Bull Arena is beautiful. It isn't Harrison, but it is beautiful. But not stopping there in NYCFC. And we're going to have this rivalry that follows uh, in, in a short time thereafter. Well, what do you and, think? Is it doable? The MLS had the LA Galaxy right out of the gate, but brought Chivas USA initially to LA to try That's to right. be an in-market competitor in the same stadium even. Yeah, now, I mean, Chivas LA, USA failed not because you couldn't have two teams in that market, but for... And, <laughs> and, well, and right. have Alicia Rodriguez on here. We have a whole other conversation. And LAFC is proving again that a two-team market... I Look, I think if we were at 18 teams and the Bay Area still wasn't there, I think you could make that a more legitimate argument. Yeah. If you take in this current expansion proposal where you're at 12 teams and you have so many interested parties in so many other parts of the country and just around people are pushing really hard for teams. I think it's going to look poor to their other potential expansion markets. If in this round they go, actually, we're just double dipping in this one area. Mm -hmm. I think it would be a fascinating thought, but I mean, even up in Sacramento, there's interest in the team. Imagine telling Sacramento, hey, we're going to actually drop two teams within a two-hour drive of you but not give you a team mm -hmm. if the ownership group and the arena in Sacramento are as interested as at times has been reported now that they have their new arena. Right. So, I mean, that, but that's the question, right? If you have the dedicated ownership groups, isn't that more important than figuring out true geographical balance? If, if we ended up with two dedicated ownership groups here – in the Bay Area, you know, everyone keeps talking about Philadelphia. And I'm curious to see, I'm curious to keep an eye on Philadelphia. But the owners, you know, Harrison Blitzer uh, of the Philadelphia 76ers have purchased, you know, I have to go back and do the math, but I think in 37 other professional leagues. And yet it doesn't seem like you hear a lot of buzz around them adding a Philadelphia WNBA team. It goes back to what we're talking about. If the interest is there, where is the proof? of the interest. And so if we've got two Bay area ownership groups who are willing to spend and then to build in that rivalry, I, I don't know. That doesn't seem like a losing proposition to me. And I'm saying this is somebody who's not easily able to cover either one of those teams, 3000 miles away. <laughs> well, but I think you bring up an interesting point, which is that I don't want to necessarily decry some of the teams around the WNBA currently as failed ownership groups, mm -hmm. but I think there is very much a haves and a have not situation in terms no, of yeah. the best ownership groups. And I think there's a legitimate argument to make that part of the tricky dynamic that the WNBA is going to have to deal with here is that some of their best ownership groups are the ones that are co-owning a WNBA and an NBA team together, but that's mm -hmm. also some of their worst too. And some of the ones where, it's clear that the WNBA is an afterthought that even if you have the idea that was initially tied to the league, which is let's get eight markets where we can give the NBA team a WNBA team mm -hmm. that didn't work. Then it hasn't always worked now. It certainly does in certain markets, but I think that's what maybe makes the Oakland group a little more enticing than you would initially think just based off of, Oh, if the Warriors want the team, they're there. This mm -hmm. is a team that the only thing they would have right now, is the WNBA team and they would have sole rights to an arena where the WNBA team would be part of operating the arena that includes booking the concerts. The thing that we see so many WNBA teams suffer for when concerts get booked, they have to you know, run to the hills to find a different arena. The WNBA team would be the one booking the concerts as part of the ownership structure. I think that would mean the playoff games would get a little higher priority over a concert with the WNBA team being the one booking the arena.
I don't know. Maybe that's a far-fetched idea. It seems pretty logical in that regard. I was watching a film called Unfinished Business about the WNBA and the New York Liberty specifically. There was a headline that came up uh, on the screen during the course of that about why the Phoenix Mercury uh, were not able to play in their home arena during a playoff game. I have to look it up. Who wrote it? It was an excellent journalist, whoever it was. Uh, Before we get to the bottom line um, of all of the endless amount of riches that exist in the Bay area for potential WNBA teams. I want to talk about a similar endless array of riches, but they're for your taste buds. And I'm talking of course about built bar built bar has done it again, Alex. They've added something called mud pie, mud pie, puff flavors, regular and the regular built bar with mud pie as well. Now, if you're not sure what mud pie tastes like, if you're a chocolate fan, it's like rich whipped cream, chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. Now, I utilized one of the two mud pie bars uh, that was in my box labeled radio host mud pie. It, it was delicious. It kept me filled for a couple of hours. When I say the battle for the other mud pie bar was vicious among my family, I mean, I it, not that it tore us apart, but it definitely required some getting us back together after because everyone wanted it. Everyone understood these are the stakes when you're looking at a flavor from Built Bar. You too can have this type of internal family strife. If you go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order, that is promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at Built.com. Alex, when you do this, who are you going to tell them sent you? Grandma Myrna, of course. you got to talk about Grandma Myrna. Always got to talk about Grandma Myrna. Make sure you do. Make sure you let them know over at Built.com. Bottom line, if you were a fan in this market, who do you think you should be rooting for? To be the ownership group, who's going to do best by a WNBA team based on the metrics that you see at your disposal right now? I think that's an extremely complicated question and one that I'm frankly still reporting out as we get closer and closer here. I think they bring very different things. And and look, Oracle Arena, that the arena formerly known as Oracle Arena, which the Warriors left. has not necessarily been kept in the greatest of shapes now that it's just Mm -hmm. run by the city of Oakland, but it's still hosting concerts. I still think it makes for an excellent basketball arena that if an ownership group got in, sparkles it up just a little bit and makes a WNBA team a feature of an arena that's hosted countless incredible events. That's a very enticing, we are the, the home here. You can have all the advertising specifically focused on the WNBA, which even in the markets where you would say ownership groups are focusing on the WNBA better, the co-owned teams are not usually using their advertising space for WNBA teams. They're using it for their NBA teams. Even in the WNBA finals, we've seen teams focus on we're advertising our NBA team upcoming for this next season over the WNBA team that's in the finals. So I look at that and I say, there, there's a little bit of element of there. I really would wonder what the league is going to do, though, because this is this is a complex situation for them. Mm-hmm. 
I agree with every bit of that. I've also spoken to a number of basketball writers who talk about Oracle as a lost gem in the same way that I tend to back East think about new Yankee stadium as a disgusting cash grab that resulted in the destruction of old Yankee stadium where so much history took place and it was unnecessary. Shea stadium, it was time to go. Yankee stadium was a cash grab in the final days of the Giuliani administration. And so are, are, uh, are you looking back that fondly at the Westchester County center too? I am not. I'm definitely not. The Westchester County center was an abomination. And I say that as it, it happened to be the place where both my parents and my wife got vaccinated against COVID-19. And it is an appropriate venue for that, but not for a professional basketball uh, experience, to be I, sure. And I think you bring this up. I think it could be really fun to go to o Oakland again for basketball games for a lot of people. And it's just, it's very easily accessible for public transit. Mm -hmm. um, there's certainly some people who wouldn't be able to get there easily, but the Bay Area is not an easy place to get around anywhere, anytime. And I can promise that that is true no matter where you go. Downtown San Francisco is just as difficult to get to as Oakland, as San Jose. If you're somebody living in Stanford, they're all difficult to get to. So you don't need to necessarily tie it to what's the easiest access point because nothing's easy. It's kind of like New York City in that regard, I'm sure, mm -hmm. for those out east. Uh, I the plus side, though, it's very affordable. <laughs> uh -huh. You're killing me right there. No, I, uh, as somebody that's finding new places to live in the Bay Area at the moment, yeah, that's yeah. not necessarily the case either. But look, that's um, that's part of this dynamic here that the WNBA is going to have to decide with because I, I just wonder also optically, like to kind of maybe put a bow on it. This is maybe where the Warriors could kind of hedge against the optic games by using Stephen Curry. Could mm -hmm. he be somebody interested in maybe getting an ownership stake of the WNBA team, which otherwise is going to be owned primarily by white males? Yeah. That it would at least diversify a little bit of the ownership stake on the WNBA side and make it look a little bit different. That if both he and his wife wanted to maybe be involved in that, that could change a lot of that look and at least kind of help the Warriors hedge against what I would say is otherwise an, a bad optics look for the WNBA, if nothing else. I wonder, are there rules against an active NBA player owning a stake in a WNBA team? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that we've ever had to find out whether there's an answer to that. It's, it's, it's all deeply compelling. Make sure you're following Alex at Alex Simon Sports. Uh, for lots of reasons, but especially for this. He's been all over this story. We're going to continue to talk about it. Uh, Alex, a couple of things before we go. I just want to remind you and everyone else, our next in-person playback second screen opportunity is tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Go over to getplayback.com slash room slash the next and sign up. You can join us. I'm going to be there. Jackie Powell is going to be there. We're going to have a fun array of guests as well talking I, about. I might be one of those guests. You never know. It is. It seems very possible. Uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight, it's a second screen experience. We just have a great time doing it. So I'm excited and looking forward to it. Uh, I also want to let you all know, uh, obviously, you've made us your first listen, and we appreciate that. Um, but Alex referenced it. There is a league um, that is also professional basketball here in America. Uh, men play it. Uh, it's called the NBA. And 
there's something called the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft that we cover over at Locked On. The first picks of the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft have, in fact, been made. So search now for Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and get over 50 insiders, the Odyssey sports experts, the draft experts of Locked On NBA Big Board. The five-episode Ultimate NBA Mock Draft is underway. It is comprehensive, and that matters if you are a Bay Area basketball fan because Golden State doesn't pick until pick number 28. So for some reason, they seem to pick near the end of the first round almost every year. I don't, I don't know why that is. I uh, wonder so how that happens. It might, must, be, must be a similar dynamic to the WNBA draft, although it seems to go on a lot longer than the WNBA draft does for some reason. So hmm, it's interesting. Anyway, something to look into uh, might be something uh, basketball-wise you could watch after the WNBA season is over. I think they don't overlap all that much, so that could be a helpful thing. Um, so, yeah, well, obviously very excited uh, that you make them your second listen. You make us your first listen. I mean, come on, obviously, women's basketball first. But we're really grateful, Alex Simon, for your insight. Uh, I am grateful for your friendship dating back to your undergraduate days at Elon. And I uh, look forward to having you on again. And, yeah, come join us. Come join us tonight. One last time, that's getplayback.com slash room slash the next. We will be watching basketball 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight, talking all about it. Uh, we'll be joining you tomorrow. We've got the great James K joining us talking about the Chicago sky. And we're here every weekday. We're here 24-7, 365 at the next for now, 365 at the yeah, next. Yeah, couple next years, ready Chicago. for that, day 366. Boy, talk about expansion. Until tomorrow, I am Howard McDowell wishing you a wonderful day. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.